Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Sometimes being in the presence of the Lord is like going to a spa. You just get super relaxed and you just go, ah. that's how the presence of God feels. And do you know what that is? That's you laying down your burdens and laying down your cares and casting it all on Jesus. This is how this is this is how we're meant to live. This is how we're meant to. To, you know what the Bible says? It says, in him we live and move and have our being. It's all designed to happen in him. Amen? Our whole lives are, are created and designed to be found and expressed and explored in him. Amen? Oh, isn't that so cool? I think so. Praise God. Um, I, I couldn't have planned a better se- segue into what I'm going to share with you today than the one that we've been experiencing. Uh, aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is smarter than me? Yes. Amen. You know, sometimes I ask a question like that and nobody, a few people respond and that's okay. Sometimes I ask a question like that and people respond a little too vigorously. You know, you know what I mean? Amen. Um, I, I just bring you greeting this morning from my wife. She's she hasn't been feeling good this weekend, and so she's at home today, resting and recovering. Uh, praise God. Her fever broke last night, so she woke up today, and I said, "How do you feel?" She said, "So much better than last night." So, praise the Lord for that. Um, <clears throat> we are going to begin a new series today, and and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles today to two different openings. Um. One of them is John chapter 15, verse 11. The other is Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. As I pull up my timer here so that I don't preach for three hours, because it would be very easy to do in this environment. If you're joining with us for the first time, I just want to say welcome and thank you for being with us today. We, uh, We are a church that just is thankful for the presence of the Lord. Um, and so thank you for being a part of what God is doing here at Hope Church this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Um, and I'll, I'll share with you some, some announcements and things at the end, but I don't want to get into announcements right now because the presence of the Lord is just far too wonderful to spend time talking about announcements. <clears throat> John chapter 15 and Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start a new series today. And the title of that series is Carefree, Carefree. Uh, and, and, and this is a series that we're beginning today and is going to continue through the month of November. Um, and it's a series that is going to be talking about and dealing with God's perspective uh, on mental health um, and dealing with the issues of anxiety, depression, and despair. And uh, I'm just going to tell you right now out of the gate, I'm coming 
I'm swinging for the fences, okay? I'm coming for you this morning. Actually, I'm not coming for you. I'm coming for the lie that the enemy has put in your head, and that's what I'm coming to deal with. And so we're going to start that this morning, and we're going to take it through the end of November. And I'm I'm here to tell you, uh, your friends need to know this message. Your family needs to know this message. This is one of the most felt needs in our world right now. And I've got to tell you, the Bible's got some absolutely concrete answers. Uh, that you and I need uh, when it comes to dealing with anxiety, depression, and despair. You're going to hear me talk about those three things, ADD, okay? Anxiety, depression, and despair. But I want us to turn to John chapter 15 first, and then we'll look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 after that. But John 15, verse 11, Jesus is speaking, and he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Man, if, you, if I didn't preach another word today, you could go home and really be blessed uh, between the presence of the Lord and worship and that verse right now. These things I have spoken to you that, you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now let's go over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I, I actually love reading these two things like together. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. These two verses are going to be the bedrock for the next five weeks of our discussion. And I'm going to lead you through just a basic introduction of some of this stuff this morning and hopefully wet your whistle a little bit and hopefully give you some ammunition to take with you, uh, especially if you find yourself dealing with anxiety, especially if you find yourself dealing with, uh, with despair or with depression. So I believe that God's going to speak to you this morning. Do you believe that? Come on, can I have a better amen than that? Yes, hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come before your word and receive what you have to say to us. Thank you, God, that you still speak. Thank you that your word is still speaking to us. And today we humble our hearts, we open our minds, and we open ourselves to receive from your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us. Speak to us. Make your word come alive in our hearts today. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. So a a series on on mental health from God's perspective. I want to I want to walk through the word of God with you over the next several weeks and absolutely exterminate anxiety, depression, and despair from your life. I'm going to read those two verses in tandem to you again or back to back one more time. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be filled or may be full. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why should we be talking about a series like this? I mentioned just a few moments ago that it's one of the number one felt needs 
in our world, but why should we talk about overcoming anxiety? Why should we talk about, isn't, in other words, isn't that just another feel-good message, Pastor Josh? Aren't you just trying to get us to feel good? Well, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I think sometimes if we're not careful, uh, uh, the religious parts of our brain will, will sabotage what God wants to do, that he wants to set you free from things. And, and, and here's, here's something cool. When you get set free from despair, you feel better. Amen. Now I understand that there have been there have been uh, messages preached where where people will will only preach things that make the crowd feel good and they'll avoid the challenging parts of life. You know me well enough to know I don't avoid the tough stuff in the Bible. However, I do believe that God is speaking to our church, to this congregation, and really to to the body of Christ right now to help to overcome these particular issues in our lives. Why this series? Because a series like this is critical to our success as God's people. It's critical to our success as God's people. Without having the ability to exercise dominion and victory over depression, you and I will not fulfill our calling in God. Maybe you've flown on an airplane before. I think most of us have flown on airplanes. And um, when you get on an airplane, you know the you know the drill. You sit down in your seat, and the stewardess comes out, and and they they get the little buckle, and they got the little card, and they start to tell you all the things you need to know about the aircraft and about your your voyage. And uh, you know they get to this certain part in in their spiel where they say this statement, should the cabin pressure change, masks from above will be dropped down below. And then they tell you to put the mask on your face. And then what do they say? Secure your own mask before helping someone next to you, right? You gotta, you gotta secure your own mask first. Can I tell you that we're not winning the world for Jesus if we're depressed? Amen. We're not. We're not winning the world for Jesus. Listen, if, if, if this is a battle and a struggle for you, it's going to impede and it's going to hinder your ability to preach the gospel to your neighbor. We can't help anybody if we're just, you know, living one nostril above water. Amen. I don't know why that's just such a funny image to me, but I just, I just imagine a horizon of water and one nostril just sticking up. I want to. I want to. In this series, in this series, I want to help you get your. That really made you, some of y'all laugh. I like that. Y'all got that image of a nostril. Okay, good. I want to help you in this series get your mask secured, so that you can be a light and a source of life and a source of anointing and a source of God's kingdom to the person you're sitting next to. And let me tell you, this is, a, this is an across-the-board message. This is not for one group of people, right? This is not for a certain generation. Well, those Gen Zers are the ones really need to hear about depression. In my day, we didn't have time to be depressed. <laughs> right? We, we had a pasture we had to plow, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have time for that. 
No, this is across the board. This is across the board. Every single person at some point in their life is going to come face to face with the reality that, that, that they have to make a choice between being anxious and being depressed and being filled with fear and being filled with despair. Everybody is going to have situations in life. There's not a single person on the planet that, 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 side, you know, that side swipes and gets around this reality. Every one of us has got to come face to face with things. And this is one of those things that we all need victory in. This is an issue that touches everyone at some point and on some level. So I want to start by creating just a bit of an introduction for you to this series, and I want to, I want to spend some time talking about these two scriptures that I, that I shared with you, John 15, 11, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, joy and peace are the two things that emerge out of these scriptures. Joy comes out of John chapter 15, verse 11, right? These things I've said to you that my joy may remain in you. So joy is one of the key components that's going to help you live a life that's free from depression. And then, and then Philippians, you know, adds to it and amplifies the idea that peace is what you need to be able to live a life that's free from anxiety and depression and despair. I want to make this statement, and I, I just want to make this kind of at the top of the series and let it just, let it just you know, stay with you during this whole conversation. Joy and peace are the will of God for every single person. Notice that I didn't say for every single Christian. I said for every single person. Sometimes we think that we're, you know, because we're saved, we're elite. You know, so God's will for me because I'm a Christian is better than his will for the sinner. No, his will for the sinner is that the sinner become a Christian and that you both seek God together in full throttle. Amen. In fact, if you want to really double down, God's will for you is that you get that person saved so that the two of you can walk with God together. He gives us a little responsibility. But joy and peace are the will of God for every single human being with no exceptions. Do you know that joy and peace was God's will for Hitler? Right? Even people that do wretched, terrible things, God still wants joy and peace for them. He wants them to repent. He wants them to come to him. But when they come to him, he wants them to be filled with joy and peace. What is God's answer to a mental health crisis? This is a terminology that you've heard, that I've heard. We've heard about it, especially in, in, as of late. What's God's answer to a mental health crisis? Joy and peace. Amen. Joy and peace. I want to start by looking at John 15 and, and pick the scripture apart for a few minutes. Let me take a drink of water right quick. John chapter 15, as you're flipping back. This, this, this one hit me between the eyes as I was studying. It's such a good way. John 15, 11. Again, Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's look at this a little bit, one statement at a time. These things I have spoken to you. What things? 
What things? I don't know how your mind goes to work when you look at scriptures. Uh, when I look at a verse like that, that first statement, these things I've spoken, jumps out at me because I immediately want to know, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? Well, you could, you could look at the verse before that and get a little context, right? In fact, Stephanie said that just when she was up here talking about offering, that's one of the, one of the important essential elements of scriptural interpretation is context. So you can get context from the verses immediately around the verse you're looking at. Uh, but, but then you can also go back even a little bit farther. In Bible school, we were taught, if you want to understand a verse better, better, read the passage that it's in. If you want to understand the passage a little better, read the chapter that it's in. If you want to understand the chapter a little better, read the book that it's in. And if you want to understand the, the book better, read the author that wrote it. If you want to understand Romans 1.16 better, read all of Romans 1. If you want to understand that verse even more, read all of Romans. If you want to understand that verse even more, read everything Paul wrote in the New Testament. Make sense? So context is a super important thing. So what has Jesus said? Well, this, we find ourselves in this verse 11, smack dab in the middle of about a four chapter exhortation that Jesus is giving at the Last Supper. So you, you got to rewind back to chapter 13, which is where this scene, if you will, starts. Sometimes I like to think of the Gospels as movies and, 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 or TV shows, and, and this is a scene. From chapter 13 all the way through the end of chapter 17 is a scene. It's the scene of the Last Supper. Y'all know Leonardo da Vinci's drawing. Everybody looks depressed, right? Ju you know, Judas has, has betrayed the Lord. John's over here looking so sad. Everybody looks like they're half asleep in Leonardo da Vinci's painting. I don't know why. Especially when Jesus said, these are the things I've spoken to you that your joy may be full. What things had Jesus said? Let me give you just a few of the things Jesus had said at this point. Let not your heart be troubled. I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who has seen me has also seen the Father. The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do for you. I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, which is the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I am the true vine, and you are the branch. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. These things I have spoken that my joy may remain in you. And guess what? He actually said a whole lot more than that. And he keeps going for another two chapters. You want to jumpstart your victory over depression? Read out loud every promise that Jesus makes from John 13 to John 17. That's your assignment this week. Those are just scratching the surface. He goes on for four chapters. One thing after another. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. As the Father has loved me, I love you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will and it shall be done. I'm the vine and you're the branches. You could do nothing without me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to cure your depression? 
Just read the scripture, man. Let's keep going. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. This word remain means to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to remain, to always be present. Think about this. Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy, how many of you think that Jesus' joy is defective? Not possible. Jesus has got perfect joy. Jesus has got perfect, unblemished, undefective joy. And he wants his joy to reside in you. He wants his joy not to come and go. That's, that's, the, that's the crux of this word remain here. It, it's this idea that, that God's perfect desire for you, his perfect intention for your mental health and your mental stability is that his joy be always present in you. That means, according to this verse, you have the right to believe and expect his joy to come and reside, not come and go all the time. You don't have to expect joy to come and go. In fact, I put it in my notes this way. God's desire is that his joy be reliably present in your life. Kind of like the sun coming up every morning. Right? You know, there's just certain things in our lives that we just rely on them. They're just constant. They're just consistent. I mean, if you take a breath, you don't have to wonder whether or not you're going to get any oxygen. Right? Oh, there it is, oxygen. You don't have to go to, you're not going to, nobody's going to go to bed tonight. And the last thought going through your head before you go to sleep is, oh man, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow. It's been a little shaky lately. It's not like App State football, where it's, I just had to, just had to say something to make sure you're still awake. God's reliable. The Bible teaches us that God is immutable. Immutable. Do you know what that means? It means unchanging. Unchanging. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The whole idea for your mental health in God's mind is that you apprehend his joy and his peace and those things never actually have to leave. And can I tell you that when that happens, when Jesus's joy remains in you, your joy becomes full. Your joy gets full and filled up and filled up and filled up to overflowing. The word for, for full in the, in the Greek means rich and deep and overflowing. God's desire for you is not that you would have enough joy. His desire for you is that you would have too much joy. I'm going to say that again. God's desire for you is not that you would have enough joy. His desire is that you would have too much joy. 
Well, pastor, I've heard this before. I'm, I'm familiar with this kind of message. I've heard these kinds of things before. What, you know, what's the deal? How come it doesn't work for me? Maybe, you got, maybe it's time to go back and listen again. Maybe it's time to go back to a verse that is probably familiar to you and, and, and take it before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, where, where have I missed it in this? Where, where did I fall short in this? I, I'm very familiar with this message, but it doesn't seem to be happening in my life. Can I tell you that without getting off into a rabbit trail, can I tell you that that posture of honesty is where real worship begins? The Bible says in John chapter four, the father is seeking those who would worship in spirit and in truth. The word, in tr the word truth there connotates honesty. Could you go before the Lord and say, I actually don't have this all together and I'd love to know where I'm missing it because my joy is not full. Can you help me, Lord? It's one of the most powerful prayers you'll ever, you'll ever pray. This is the will of God for us, guys, that his joy, his perfect, unblemished, undefiled joy remain in me and not leave, not go away, but that his joy would remain and that my joy would be full. Fast forward to Philippians chapter four, verse seven, and Paul continues, this, or continues with this idea. Philippians chapter four, verse seven, he continues with this notion that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards or governs our minds and hearts through Christ Jesus. So in the first verse, we saw joy at the forefront. In the second verse, we see peace at the forefront. This is the will of God for us. Can you just say that out loud? I want, I want, I want you to say it. This is the will of God for my life. Say it again. This is the will of God for my life. Say it till you believe it, man. This is the will of God for peace is the will of God for my life. When the enemy rears his ugly head, when depression comes crawling out of that corner that it likes to hide in and you become aware that you're anxious and you're filled with fear. This is the will of peace is the will of God for my life. Joy is the will of God for my life. Draw a line in the sand. Put your big boy pants on. Big girl pants. My mother corrected me from the second row. Big girl pants. Okay. Men, put your big boy pants on. Ladies, put your big girl pants on. Don't get those twisted. <clears throat> I'm going to let that fat, juicy rabbit just run down the trail on its own. See you, buddy. This is the will of God for us, guys that we'd be filled with his joy and with his peace. Listen to this about peace for just a second. Y'all doing okay still? All right. This is what the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says about peace. This is how it describes peace. Peace is the total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with God's presence among his people. We read it to you one more time. From the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, it says that peace is the total well-being, 
prosperity and security associated with God's presence among his people. What does that mean? It means that when God's presence is manifested in our lives, total well-being, prosperity, and security become the hallmarks of our life. That's why we took extra time this morning to reverence the presence of God because I want you to go home today with total well-being, prosperity, and security. My kids, when, when, when we were driving in this morning, I had all, all three girls with me. We stopped at Starbucks and because uh, that's what good dads do for their daughters. And so Sophia, my youngest had her little kids hot chocolate in the back. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to put on a hazmat suit later and go clean up uh, what she, what kind of destruction happened in the back seat today. But I say that because of this. When we pulled into the drive-thru at Starbucks, you know, the price of the items that my kids asked for doesn't even enter into their mind. The quantity of items that they expect to receive from that window doesn't once enter into their minds. In other words, when it comes time for dad to take us through Starbucks, we are in total well-being, absolute prosperity, and total security. What could possibly go wrong? Dad is taking us to Starbucks. Dad's will for our life is Starbucks. Kids hot cappuccinos and, and mochas and, and croissants and cake pops, which dad said no to. Hallelujah. Not today, Satan. <laughs> I got to live with these people after service, okay? So. It doesn't even enter into their consciousness that there wouldn't be enough that they wouldn't be able to access whatever it is that they really wanted and that they were somehow inferior or insecure. Sophia spilled hot chocolate all over the place. She doesn't care. She doesn't have to clean it up. Why is she so secure? Because dad's got this. Dad's got this. That's what peace, real peace feels like for you. Hey, God's got this. God's got this. God's hand is God's hand is on my life, and He's got it. Oh, but everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Aren't you concerned? No, the peace that passes all understanding guards my heart and mind. I'm, I'm good, man. Why? Because you're so special and you got it all together? No, I'm just living today. God's got tomorrow. You, listen, you can't manage tomorrow. You want to know why? It's not here yet. You can't manage tomorrow. All you can manage is today. And if you want to get really specific, all you can manage is right this second. You can't manage tomorrow, but God can because he's already there. Hallelujah. This total well-being is what is supposed to be guarding our heart and minds, not anxiety, depression, and despair. When I look around me, I see the hearts of people that are governed by anxiety rather than being governed by peace. And, and to be frank with you and honest, sometimes when I look in the mirror, I see the same thing. 
Because this, this is something that affects everybody. And, I, and I've had to learn in seasons of darkness and trial and times in my own life where things get chaotic, I've had to learn to count it all joy. I've had to learn to fall back on the, the scripture. I've had to learn that, you know what? Anxiety is not, not going to rule my life. So what is going on with mental health right now? Everybody is talking about it. Corporate, major corporations are changing their human resource policies to adjust for what is being referred to as a mental health crisis. Seems to be dominating the conversation, especially, uh, you know, with, with COVID happening a couple of years ago and with, you know, the potential for economic downturn. And there's, there's so many things that could possibly go bad in the world. People's mental health are coming under fire. According to a recent poll, 90%, 90% of United States adults say that the U.S. is experiencing a mental health crisis. Nine out of 10 people. Now, is, is that happening? Yeah, I think it is. But can I tell you what else stands out about that statistic? Is that people are okay with it. They're agreeing with it. Maybe I shouldn't say they're okay with it. They're agreeing with it. Are we having a mental health crisis? Yeah, nine out of 10 people agree that we are. Here's a snapshot of the state of mental health in the United States. I did some uh, searching online. The, percent, the percentage of, of, of adults in the United States with a mental illness is 19.86%, just shy of 20%. That's 50 million people, 50 million the number of adults with anxiety disorders, 42 and a half million. It's a lot of people. Number of U.S. adults with depression, 21 million people. 21 million adults in the United States have been diagnosed with depression. The number of young people, youth, 12 to 17, with major depression, 3.7 million in our nation. That's my daughter's age. How many of you know, if you've got a 12-year-old at home, that 12-year-old doesn't need to be racked with depression. The 12-year-old doesn't need to be weighed down on their way to school, wondering how they're going to make it in life. They're 12. North Carolina is ranked 42nd in the country in youth mental health care. Ouch. 42 out of 50? We are not batting 1,000. The statistics are depressing. Pun intended. From what I can tell, as I've researched, the data don't show any signs of improvement, which tells me something that society on its own is not producing any clear-cut solutions. Right? But is this a new problem? Is it a new problem? I mean, it's, it's dominated the headlines for a while recently. Is it a new problem? I don't believe that it is. I believe it's actually an ancient problem that seems to have been accelerated by some modern causes. And I'm not here to talk to you about the modern causes. I did that when we preached our series on rest a month ago. 
you need to get off of Instagram for long enough to take your breath and catch your breath. There's a bunch of reasons why, a bunch of modern causes that have, that have accelerated and stimulated these issues. But I think that it's actually an ancient problem. Y'all still with me? Early Mesopotamians as far back as 2000 BC were grappling with depression. Greek and Roman philosophers, Hippocrates, who was a Greek doctor that was touted as being the world's first physician, official physician. He was dealing with this stuff before, uh, in, in, in years BC, before Jesus even came. People, here's, here's what I'm getting at. Here's why I share these statistics with you. People haven't changed. People haven't changed. The causes may have gotten more complex. People don't change. Anxiety, depression, and despair, they all start with worry. And worry is a human emotion that is, is common to everyone since the Garden of Eden. In the days of Noah, people were dealing with anxiety. At some point, everybody is going to have to face these feelings. And that's why Jesus spoke to it so many times. Go through the gospel. Jesus is, seems to constantly be addressing worry. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry what you're going to eat. Don't worry what you're going to wear. Don't worry what, to, what you're going to do tomorrow. After these things, Matthew chapter 6, after these things do the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these before you even ask. Your heavenly Father is driving the car through Starbucks. You're in the back seat. Don't worry how it's going to get paid for. Don't worry how you're going to live. Don't worry if you're going to be okay or not. Rest. Be at peace. As a pastor... I don't get concerned when people are struggling or fighting with these issues. If they're, if they're fighting anxiety in their life, that doesn't concern me. I don't get worried about that. Pastor, pray with me. Pray for me. I'm, I'm dealing with depression, man. I'm dealing with, with fear. I'm dealing with strife and lust or, uh, you know, addiction, drugs, alcohol, you name it, whatever. See, we, as soon as we hear that somebody's struggling with somebody with something like that, we put labels on them. We hold him at arm's length. Well, I'm not going to associate with that guy because he's, he's struggling with pornography right now and he was vulnerable enough to tell me that to ask me to pray for him, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hang out with him. I don't get concerned when people express to me and tell me that they're fighting with something or they're battling with something. You know when I get concerned? When they stop fighting those things. When they just, when they just throw their hands up and say, well... I guess this is me. You're always going to listen. Can I tell you something about Hope Church? You will always find somebody that's going to be willing to pray with you when you get vulnerable around here. We're not, we're, not, we're not interested in holding people at arm's length because they're fighting problems and they're battling and they're challenging and they're, they're trying to make growth happen in their life and they're, they're walking in victory and they're just doing what the Bible says and, and it's, they're in the, mid, the middle of it. I don't get concerned then. It's when people just accept the issue. 
They say, well, this is just who I am. Y'all with me this morning? This is, just, this is just who I am. Oh, brother, this is my cross to bear in life. Anxiety is not your cross to bear. Jesus bore that cross already. Just like sin is not your cross to bear. Jesus bore that cross already. It's the one he hung on. Why do I say this? Because society is limited to dealing with things through natural methods only. So society teaches us that the answer to anxiety, that the answer to depression is to cope. I hate the word cope. I hate it. It's a four-letter word. Can I tell you something? I have never seen somebody cope their way to victory. <laughs> I've seen some people fight. I've watched some movies where William Wallace <laughs> paints his face blue and gets on a horse, kills 50 men. <laughs> I've, I've watched some guys fight their way into victory. I never saw somebody get in a rocking chair and cope their way into triumph. Well, brother, this is just, you know, this is just me. This is, my mom said this was who I was going to become. My teacher said that this is what, you know, my guidance counselor told me that this was what my lot in life. Society has told me that this is who I'm going to be. This is just how it is, pastor. No, it's not. Anxiety is not your plot in life. It's not your cross to bear. Depression is not God's will for you. Greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. Stand upon the word of God. Put your foot down and decide, never again am I going to be filled with anxiety. God didn't call you to cope. Now listen, listen. If coping is where you find yourself right now, just hanging on, like my buddy JM used to say, hanging on like a hair in a biscuit. I get to work. JM, how you doing? I'm hanging on, brother, like a hair in a biscuit. JM, if you're watching, I love you. If you're like a hair in a biscuit, and, and you and listen, if you're a fly on a windshield and you are just, you are just. You are just hanging on for dear life right now. Please don't be discouraged. I'm not beating you up. I'm trying to help you to see that God has an answer and there's a better way for you to live. And it ain't coping. God, listen, here's why. Here's why it's so, it, 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 it strikes me this way, coping because it leaves you powerless. It's not a strategy for victory. It's not a strategy for victory. It's crisis management, perpetual crisis management. God didn't call you to be a great crisis manager. He called you to be an overcomer. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it, that is the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. So God's power is in his gospel and that's what he's given to you. Coping leaves you powerless. The gospel leaves you powerful. 
God didn't call us to be good crisis managers, man. He called us to be an overcomer by grace through faith. Can I say this? If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. I thought this was clever. God didn't equip you to cope. He equipped you to hope. And yes, I will work the name of our church into every series that I possibly can. God didn't know. That's why we named this church Hope Church, because this is a place where people don't come to cope. They come to hope. They come to get some, they come to get this expectation of a good future restored to them again. The enemy's been plucking and pulling away from people's lives for too long till they get to the point of despair where they just have no hope. God didn't call you to that. He called you to be an ambassador of hope. He called you to be filled with expectation and filled with joy and filled with peace. Tomorrow's going to be better than today because God is good. Now, if you find yourself dealing with anxiety and depression and despair, any one of those three, any combination of the ADD, I want to close today by encouraging you, and then I'm going to pray over you. Let me encourage you out of a few negative thoughts that the enemy might be throwing at you right now. Can I get it? Can I get ahead of the little voice in your head for a second? You might be thinking this thought or having this question roll around. Am I am I a bad Christian because I'm struggling with depression? Pastor, does that struggle make me a bad Christian? No, it doesn't. Being hurt and being morally wrong are two very different things. So when I talk about you coping, if if that's you, if that's where you find yourself, I'm not here to to pronounce judgment on you and tell you that you're doing it wrong and you feel extra guilty when you go home today. That's not what we're going for. Am I a bad Christian because I'm struggling with depression? No. No, you're not. Am I depressed because God is punishing me or because God is angry with me? No. In fact, if you find yourself struggling with depression or anxiety or despair today, you want to know why? Because the devil is a liar. Liar. If if there's one thing I want you to take home today and every week during this series, it's that the devil can't tell the truth and God can't lie. The Bible speaks of God saying that he is not a man that he should lie. And Jesus said of the devil that there was no truth in him. He's the father of lies. The enemy is incapable of communicating truth. Even when he tries, he can't get it right. You remember when Jesus, can I just just take an extra second here at the end? Remember when Jesus went out into the wilderness in Luke chapter 3 and 4? And he's fasting for 40 days, so the Bible says he's hungry. Like, duh, yeah, of course. He's hungry, and the enemy comes to him to tempt him. And and he, he gives Jesus these temptations, and he starts quoting scripture back to Jesus. And I've, I've heard preachers say this, Frankie, over the years. Well, you know, the devil knows the Bible better than you do. No, he doesn't. 
He might know, he might know chapter and verse, but he is incapable of comprehending truth. So he's incapable of communicating truth. So even when he regurgitates scripture back to, the, to you, there's something not quite right in it because he's a loser and an idiot and he can't get it right. Did he just call the devil an idiot? Yes, I did. He's a moron. He's a big poopy head, right? He's a big poopy head, man. I like to remind him that he's lost. I like to drive my car through town when I'm by myself. And just tell the devil, man, it must have sucked to lose as bad as you did. You are a loser. Pastor, am I depressed because God's punishing me? No, if you're facing depression, it's only because the devil's a liar. That's it. And maybe, maybe he convinced you to believe something that's not actually true. Doesn't make you bad, makes him a liar. Pastor, is there something uniquely wrong with me? I love this one. These last two questions, this, I mean, these, these two questions are where God or where the enemy comes after every single person. Is there something uniquely wrong with me? And then the last one is this: Am I alone? Because see, the enemy will always try to make you feel isolated. And he will always try to make you feel like your problem is so unique that even God can't fix it. I'm here to tell you, if any of those thoughts are going through your head, just cast them aside right this moment. You're not alone. You're not uniquely broken. You're not a bad person and God is not judging you and he's not angry with you. You are a son of God and you have a right to the inheritance that Jesus gave to you when he rose from the dead. That inheritance is that you get to be filled with the, the spirit of God. You get to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. You get to have access to everything that Jesus purchased for you this morning. So don't believe the lie. Now, I'm going to close, or I'm closed, I'm done. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pray over you. Before I do that, let me tell you what you can expect over the next four weeks. November is going to be a fun month. And, and this is the last series I get to preach this year before we go into Christmas mode. Frankie's going to come with elf ears. He doesn't know that, but he does now. Gave you a little introduction today. And I want to encourage you over the next four weeks, just come to church every Sunday in November. Don't let it slip you by. Okay? I understand everybody has things to do, but it, for the, to the best of your ability, don't miss any of these because this stuff is going to be life-changing. Next week, the title of the message is Know Your Enemy. I'm going to expose anxiety, depression, and despair from the scripture. It's one of the things that if you're one of the things that if you're a military-minded person, you'll understand is that if you want to win the battle, you got to know what your enemy's doing. 
Paul says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. So I'm not, I'm not here to try to celebrate those three things. I'm here to expose those three things. Anxiety, depression, and despair. Each one of them is different. They're not the same. And the Bible deals with each one of them individually. We're going to talk about that next week, so don't miss that. November 13th, the title of the message is Ditch Your Cares. I'm going to teach you from the Bible how to deal with care and anxiety when it shows up. Part four, the 20th of November, is called Renew Your Mind. That's where we're going to learn how to rebuild the way that we think. And then part five, the 27th, is live forever free. Because you don't have to be weighed down ever again. I'm not saying that it's never that you're never going to be tempted to. I'm not saying that never that there's nothing ever going to be difficult for you ever again for the rest of your life. What I am saying is that when the difficult thing happens, when the thoughts come at you, you're going to know how to deal with them so that you can stay free forever. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet this morning? I'm going to close by praying for you this morning. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit as we close. I want you to ask him to make this message real to you. Because I can preach up here till I'm blue in the face. I've never been blue in the face, but I'm sure that it's funny looking. I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face, but until the Holy Spirit makes the light bulb go off in your heart, it won't be real to you. It'll just be another clever message. It'll just be another, you know, three points. What I want, what I want you to do is just take a moment as I pray over you and internally ask the Spirit of God, Lord, would you make this real to me today? Would you make the truth of this come alive to me in a way that I can understand? And I believe what's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit will start to give you practical ways that you can make this actionable in your life. So that starting today, you can begin to have victory over anxiety. Now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. I don't want anybody looking around. Because one of the things about mental health issues is that people are very embarrassed of them and they feel very targeted when folks know about them. So I really, I don't want anybody's eyes open. Please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you are a person who's dealing with anxiety, depression, or despair, I want you to raise your hand so that I can see you this morning. I see hands all over the place. I'm going to pray over you. Put your hands down. I'm going to pray over you and I believe that the power of God is going to go to work this moment and begin to do a miracle in your mind and in your heart based on what we just talked about. So I want you to just be careful to receive from God today. Just clear your mind of anything that says that it's not for you. And let me minister to you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. 
If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.